One time I was drunk on a morning show in Montana. The host asked me if I had a nickname. Said my friends call me the Dirtbag King. She said on the air I started giggling. Hasn't had me back, but now I've got this podcast. Welcome to my podcast. Hey, thanks so much for tuning in. My name's Charles Ellsworth, and you're listening to A Dirtbag's Guide to Life on the Road. If you're not familiar with me, that's all right. You're definitely not the only one. I'm a songwriter first, musician second, somewhere down the line filmmaker. Pretty much I just like to tell stories. Some people have called me a jack-of-all-trades, master of none, and I'm definitely semi-professional at everything I do. Nothing single-handedly makes me a living, but it all adds up to getting by. Hey everyone, thanks so much for tuning in to A Dirtbag's Guide. Uh, this is your host, Chuck, or Charles, or um, whatever it is you call me, Charles Ellsworth. That's what I go by, that's what my parents name me. And uh, hi mom and not dad. <laughs> uh, hope y'all are doing alright. Uh, this week I would talk to my friend, a new friend. Her name is Alex Matis, uh, artist, tattoo artist van lifer but don't hashtag van life uh, she's been doing this for much longer than that's actually been a thing um really impressive human being i really enjoyed our conversation and just genuinely loves being on the road uh is very real about the ups and downs of it and uh you know the reality of what her life is like but she's been living in a van for almost a decade now and um you know i think I think it's just really impressive and really talented individual, very interesting person and her perspective on other human beings and um, the interactions she could possibly have with them while on the road is really inspiring. And, and it's the sort of thing that I wish that I could keep in mind when I'm having a rough time out there. Um, speaking of having a rough time out there, I hope you all are doing all right. Um, we're still in the middle of a global pandemic and it's fucking crazy because there's so much other shit going on that we're not even really paying that much attention to the pandemic. So, oh man, it's just been a weird, rough year, and I really feel for any of you out there that are having a rough time. Um, trying to keep it together as best I can, and I, I uh, got some really exciting news. The first single off of my new record is going to be coming out this Friday, um, October 9th. It's not the single I planned on putting out first from the record, but it's the one that needed to come out. I wanted the record to be done and released by the election, but it's just not working out that way. So um, I made sure that this song came out before the election because it was very much inspired by our political landscape, and it's the closest thing to a protest song that I've ever written. And I think it's, um, I don't know, got some things, I've got some things to say that I think people could, that might resonate with folks, and uh, no matter which side of the aisle you're on, right now things are so bad shit that we just kind of need to get back to what's actually important. Um, that all being said, uh, please follow me on Spotify or Apple Music or whatever it is you use to listen to music so you can stream Blessed when it's released on Friday. Um, and please share it with friends if you like it and, and you think it's a good song and you you find it inspiring or touching or any of those things, please share it with folks because I'm still battling those algorithms on a daily basis. Those dragons just keep growing new heads and 
I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm fighting, and, you know, that's that's all any of us could be doing at this point. If you'd like to help the show directly, there's a great way to do that. You can go to patreon.com forward slash Charles Ellsworth and sign up to kick in a few bucks every month and help me put that money towards uh, making more episodes of this podcast, uh, more music videos, lots of different en- endeavors. Um, I'm heading upstate tomorrow with my brother to shoot a new film project i kind of don't want to tell you too much about it but really excited about it and just a lot of a lot of exciting things on the horizon so um a great way to make sure i can keep creating art and don't have to spend all my time swinging a hammer or behind a bar is by throwing in a couple bucks on patreon each month another way you can help me out that uh, really makes a big difference is just leaving a review of this podcast if you use uh, apple Podcasts. Please leave me a review, a five-star one, if you feel like I deserve it. And, uh, you know, just letting other people know about the podcast helps a whole bunch. Sharing it with friends, anyone you think would enjoy it. And if you go on Spotify or Apple Music and find my music, Charles Ellsworth, and listen, that makes a difference and that helps me out. So um, there's a lot of ways you can um, support the show. (laughs) There's a lot of ways you can support the show and... uh, they don't really cost you a whole lot of money and every little bit makes a huge difference in my world and helps me just keep the the roof on and the roof on <laughs> keeps me the roof helps me keep the lights on and the roof over my head and it's just much appreciated i hope you're all doing all right and if you're not if you need anything please feel free to reach out i may be grumpy but i'm not that busy and if i am busy i'll figure out a way to get to you as soon as i can so that all being said, enjoy my interview with Alex Matus. Can you hear me? Yeah, can you hear me? I can hear you. How are you doing, Alex? I'm doing okay. I apologize in advance for the uh, the road sounds. This is the yeah. uh, the only spot I could find with shade and also cell phone reception right here. No worries. I live next to a like I'm the wall in front of me. If I go through that, there's a busy road in Brooklyn that I live right next to, so... Uh, all the honking. Yeah, the listeners get to hear um, my roommates behind me in the kitchen and the um, the traffic in front of me, so you'll just you'll just blend right in. Yeah, the, the authentic sound of the street, the life. The life of the road. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, I, how do, I just want to make sure I'm pronouncing your last name right. Is it Mattis? Um, it is Matus, at least that's what my family says, but I think it's Latin, so I think Matus and Matus are both wrong. I think it's Matus, so I kind of answer to anything these days. That's, yeah, that's perfect. I, I'm kind of like Chuck Charles or whatever. Try not to call me Charlie, but these days I don't get as angry as I used to. Oh, not it, a fan so. of Charlie, yeah. huh? Well, I, I grew up with a, a cousin named Charlie, and she was a girl, or she is a girl, woman, I guess now. Um, and like we we had like the same dentists, and like they'd always they always confused us. Like they'd pull her file, and I'd like they'd be like, "It says you had like X amount of um, cavities last," and I was like, "No, I did." You know, like things like that. That I don't know. It was oh, just like weird. I always I thought of it. A, as... I have a twin sister, so I get it. Oh really? <laughs> oh yeah, I've been called. I've been called her name so many times that we will now like both just we just answer to each other's names. Oh, just in case. <laughs> yeah. I didn't realize you had a twin sister. Yeah. I don't really know actually a whole lot about you. Um for the I 
guess we're just kind of going to jump right into it because um, cause yeah, why not? Find me? <laughs> well, so I found you because uh, my friend Matt Hansen, who plays drums for me sometimes, met you at a show I was playing in Salt Lake City at Bar X. That's right. Yes, he that's said, right. He said you were singing along to a Towns Van Zandt song and he, that I was playing. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, he, he was like, does anyone have any requests? And I was like, sounds right in that. So he played it. Um, and he said that he had gotten ribbed before for uh, the lyrics that, you know, I think he had gotten, like, a tiny one wrong once and that he had to, like, do it absolutely perfect. So that was his second chance. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, that was, yeah. That was actually, technically, that, that was me, and I was in Texas, and I sang a Towns Van Zandt song wrong oh. in Houston, Texas, and I felt like a real jackass. Oh, God, that's, like, close to blasphemy there, man. You could have gone away for a long time. Yeah, luckily the bar I was playing at, I think there was, like, two actual Towns bands and everyone else was just drunk hanging out. It's, like, a lot of bars that I play. Like, there's, like, two or three people watching and then everybody else is just drunk hanging out. Yeah, the two that are crying are the ones that are Towns fans. You're like, oh, I got you. I, I get you. <laughs> yep. Don't worry, yeah, that's... the mood will pick right back up after this song. Yeah, yeah, we'll we'll get get something a little happier for you, some like Elliot Smith or something. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Well, yeah, so you know, I was talking to Matt, and he's like, "You should have Alex on your show because like met her, and she you, so you let's talk about what you do. You you're an artist, you're a tattoo artist, you travel, you're living at the the van life currently, and have been yeah. for a while now. Yeah, I've been on the road now for about seven years full time. Holy smokes, that is yeah. fucking crazy. That's that's amazing. It's like I think you age a little bit more this way. It's like dog years, so I think my actual sure. age, because I'm 30, 35 this year, but I think in actual road time, I'm about 73. Okay. If, if I'm doing the math right there. Yeah, I think that, that math adds up. Yeah, I've gone like would... fully gray <laughs> since I've been on the road. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's been... Uh... I'm starting to go pretty gray, and I think my my road age is like, I'm I just turned 33, and I'll be I think my road age is probably closer to like 48, 49, maybe 50. Nice. So if so, you're like gonna be in your midlife crisis soon, it's good. Yeah, I mean, it's born living through this is just like an all life crisis. True. <laughs> yeah, I've been doing the pandemic van lifestyle, and um, it's a trip, man. I would say. I can't, I can't imagine. I've, cause you know, I live in Brooklyn and I've, I'm usually on the road a good three to five months a year and being stuck in New York city for most of this year has been rough. Yeah. Um, and I, a lot of the times I've been like, oh, I should just hit the road, but I, like I have a little Honda CRV that I can sleep in, but it's like, it's, it's not like the van life. Like I used to have a van that I could live out of and I could, and I might've, made that happen but for sure this is more like short trips or crashing on people's floors and during a pandemic that doesn't really work yeah 100 percent. when i was first starting this whole road life i was doing it out of a 2003 toyota corolla mm. yeah do not recommend yeah that's not not the ideal car for living out of no and it's i'm pretty small i uh i would sleep out of the back of it and if anybody you know out there has one the middle seat kind of does this, like, little bump in the middle, you know, and mm-hmm. then it lowers for the other two people to sit, and I would pad it, but I'm I'm not, like, short enough to fit. Uh-huh. So I would, like, get out of the van in the particular shape of the back seat, and I was just like, I feel worse 
getting out of here than I went coming in. <laughs> it was oh pretty, my and it would freeze on the inside sometimes. And it does that in the van as well. We're like, if you're in a cold place and you're in there all night, your breath and all the water in it will escape you and then mm-hmm. freeze to the top of the van, making it a freezer for you to live in until it melts enough to rain on you in the morning. Oh my God. Yeah. I, I've had <laughs> similar experiences like that, but I haven't, yeah, that's, that's crazy that you're just seven years straight of being on the road. Yeah. You're like a hero. You're like my hero. I don't know I if you know I think I'm that. a lunatic. No, I'm a lunatic. Like who would do that, man? <laughs> you know? I, I'm, I know that feeling. I totally 100% know that feeling where, you know, being a traveling folk musician or that, um, also lives in New York City, and it's just like I feel like a crazy person. Everything I do, I'm just like I, I don't know why I can't just go get a fucking job, <laughs> like a normal job. Yeah, I think um, there's a lot of people that give me that. Oh, I think you're a free spirit line, and it's actually kind of. I think I might just be a troubled soul, you know. <laughs> and I think for a lot of people, you know, it's like it's easier for them. To, to work a certain job and do the things that I think is harder for maybe people like me and you who are a little bit crazy, you know, and a little sensitive, a little artsy, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's just kind of like this. The wife kind of chose me, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I can give you the whole rundown, the whole the whole spiel as like how it happened. Well, I'd um, like to um, kind of start at the beginning. Like, where are you from originally? Where did you grow up? I hear a little bit of a, a, a twang or a southern uh, drawl in there. Are you from oh, the south, no, southwest? No, no, I, I, think I, I think I just picked that up. Just, you know, being okay. baked out in the van in the southwest for a little while the last yeah. couple of years. I'm a, the year was 1985. Two upset and miserable people married each other and had two children. <laughs> that was me and my <laughs> sister. And, um, yeah, I grew up. I was born in Glendora, and then they moved to Fairfield, California. Do you know where that is? It's kind of um, near Napa area. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and uh, I grew up there, and then I went to school in Santa Cruz, and I lived in Oakland for a while, and then after my stint in the Bay Area is when I took to the road. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, so you're you're a Cali girl. I am indeed. Cali person. Yeah, yeah born and raised. Wow, that's uh, I didn't, I didn't expect that. I don't know why. I don't. I think in California, you're almost like kind of bred for this life in that anywhere that you go in California, you have to commute to. So I was basically born in a car and was just taken everywhere in a car my whole life. And you know, like in just even in a minivan, right? You're just going to school or getting driven around. And where I lived wasn't close to anything, so it was about an hour trip everywhere. So I kind of grew up being lulled to sleep by, you know, the wheels turning. No, I get that. I grew up in a place called Pine Top, Arizona. That's about three hours from everywhere is where I I make the joke. It's like three hours from Albuquerque, Phoenix, Tucson. It's Flagstaff. It's really like two to four hours from everywhere. But, yeah, so, like, for me to do anything in high school, go to shows, to even buy records, I had to drive two and a half, three hours. Right, and so like two and a half and three hours, if you're in the West, isn't too bad. And um, I, I'm a climber, and I remember talking to these climbers. I was in Utah, and they were from the East Coast, and they had just moved. And they were talking about being in Zion from Salt Lake City, which is about, give or take, maybe three and a half, four hours. 
Mm-hmm. And they're like, God, it was such a long drive. And I'm like, give it a year, you guys. This will be nothing to you. <laughs> Get used to it. Totally. That's part of why I moved to the East Coast. Was touring was just easier out here. Like, there's way more markets that I can hit um, and only have to drive an hour or two. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's crazy that you can drive an hour or two and be in two different states. Yeah, it's it's wild. I mean, I, it takes me about two hours to just get out of the city, which is <laughs> kind of a nightmare sometimes. But also, it's it's been really good for me as, like, someone who, like, has historically been somewhat hot-headed and impatient. This has been a real lesson in, like, dude, you're not going anywhere, so you better just chill the fuck out. <laughs> what what lured you into the city? A girl. Oh, yeah. <laughs> See, that'll do it. Yeah, yeah. I met a I met a woman on an airplane back in like 2013, and we dated on and off for a couple of years. And I was in I was living in Salt Lake City at the time. And then, um, you know, after like one of the many breakups that was just due to the distance, I was just like, "Fuck it, I'm gonna move to New York." And I saved up some money and moved out there. I went to New York once for 48 hours. Yeah, not not your speed. I did it, and I was like, "Cool." I mean, I had I have good stories to tell. Like, I I actually met the cowboy from the village people when I was there. Oh hell yeah! His name is Randy. He's a very lovely man, and he (laughs) uh, he was actually avoiding some industry dinner because they didn't make his drink right, or they wouldn't serve it to him when he wanted it. So he was thrown a fit and decided he'd go to the Randolph because it was his name, and that's where that was the bar I was at. That my apparently my friend ran that I didn't know. That she was there, hmm. yeah, and I was like, "This is great, great stories." Okay, I'm gonna go back into the wilderness now. Just get the hell out of this city. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm jealous. I, sometimes I think that that's what I should be doing, but you know, I'm here. I've got a place with great roommates and cheap rent, and I'm like, well, I don't really want to like move anywhere else. I just want to possibly be on the road like you. So yeah, hold on to it if you can. Yeah, I'm, I'm not in any rush to leave. I might. It's just weird to not be touring, if I'm if I'm honest, like because that's I put a I'm, I'm sure you get this a lot, and it's well, I mean, there's just like so much bullshit to deal with in life, no matter what you're doing, you know, mm. whether you're a musician or like or a insurance salesman or whatever. It's just like sifting through bullshit trying to find pearls. I feel like, and um, for me, the thing that like like what I traded at some point was like, okay, I'll deal with all this if I can go connect with audiences and play live and just be on the road and kind of live that life every so often and then come back and work a job and save some money and do it all over again. And the fact that I haven't been able to do that this year has really kind of been weighing down on me because it's like life's not holding up its end of the bargain. Oh God. (laughs) Yeah. You and everybody that I know, you know, because I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I, I've been, I've been tattooing now for about, 11 or 12 years, but when I was living in the Bay Area, it was kind of like the same thing, right? I was like, I had cheap-ish rent, and then it wasn't. And, you know, I was working three jobs and getting kicked in the teeth, but I could I could go see shows. And then after a while, you know, I was kind of like, I don't need to be kicked in the teeth anymore. I'm going to go, you know, live on the road. And I also got really sick, too. I have an autoimmune that decided it would rear its ugly head around then. And, uh, oh, okay. Yeah, so but it was like it was kind of this idea of, you know, like I'm sick now and I'm getting robbed and, you know, this is driving me crazy and I can go see shows and go work anywhere. I'm going to go do that, you know. Yeah, totally. Yeah, but it's it's hard. I have a lot of friends that tour and part of like part of 
the way I would direct the van and go pick a city to go work is like, oh, this metal band is playing here. I want to go see them. And the weather's good. Um, there's climbing nearby. I'm going to go work for a little while and then skip the city, you know? Yeah. And, and now so it do you, happen. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it, now it's... <laughs> but it will yeah. again, gosh darn, I hope. It, it, it totally will. And I, I keep telling myself that. I've got a new record that I'm trying to figure out the release details of that I'm like... Because you know, it's like, oh, man, for me to make back the money on that record, i got to be on the road. But I also don't want to be some asshole trying to tour when it's not safe right. for people to be touring. Like, I'm... I'm Is it like size. a Hope Mobile situation? Oh, potentially. That's not a bad idea. You know, get a truck <laughs> and put like a glass thing in it and just, you know, or even have someone drive it and just kind of play out the bass with some speakers. <laughs> <People> <laughs> hang out in the park near you or something. I, uh, I'm i going to start thinking about this. Maybe I can <laughs> I can build a prototype through winter and get it on the road this spring. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Like a little heater in it and a little little box for donations and tips, a little tip jar, the little slot that, you know, they could put money into to help you out. But it's like it sterilizes the cash before it gets to like me. Yeah, it like freeze dries <laughs> it first for a while, you know. Yeah. Yeah, that's I I think that we're onto something. I think yeah. I've, we've we fixed live music. We did it. Oh, we did God. it! Look at us through, through the medium of a podcast. We have fixed all of the world's problems. Um, well, that's what's going to happen. Is you and I are going to have this conversation. We're going to fix a lot of the world's problems. Oh man, it's 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 crazy that everybody's been talking to me a little bit about van life now because I think everybody's so sick of being inside and and trapped where they are. But I gotta tell you, doing a pandemic in a van is it's like next level ninja stuff because it's so hard to not have electricity or running water and only get to go to the grocery store every once in a while and just kind of I've been basically in this box since March. That's that's unbelievable. I I lived out of my van for six months once, and I was with a friend for about two months of it, and I did the last four alone. Mm-hmm. And it was some of the most transformative time of my life because I got to the point where I was finally really comfortable with being by myself. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a really genuinely important thing for people to figure out, um, how to just sit by yourself and kill time. Um, yes. And this was, I, I mean, I might have, I might have had like a third gen iPhone at the time, but like, you know, you're not getting, you're hardly scrolling Instagram because shit was so slow back then. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of, a lot of patients sitting there learning, but I, I can't imagine dealing with this without during COVID. Like what, man, what, what have you been doing? Oh, well, let's, well I... could, could you, uh, let's go back, sorry, to the, um, like when you first got on the road, because I yeah. like I really that's really interesting. Um, you have an autoimmune disease that just yeah fill us in with that. That's... So I mean I I've been climbing for years, so the idea of like hitting the road or even when I was just doing some living out of the back of the Corolla wasn't that weird mm-hmm. because there's just like a whole group of lost boys that would always do that. I've been climbing since I was 15. It was just not super weird, but when I was living in the Bay Area. Um, yeah, it was really strange. At first, I thought it was stress, but all this really crazy medical stuff started happening. Like, my hair started falling out, and I was so fatigued that I couldn't walk a lot of days, and I developed a constant ocular migraine. Kind of think the the opening to the HBO, you know how it goes, the, there's that static? 
Mm-hmm. And it's yeah, it's kind of that's what it is over my vision all the time now. And that started and a bunch of other stuff to the point where it was just really scary because it just all kept happening. And I basically thought it was dying. Um, yeah. And I have a little punk rock in me. And I'm, mine was kind of just like, you know what? Dying is scary. This is scary. You know, this is much scarier than, you know, getting out on the road, doing all the things that I said I was going to do. Worst case scenario is I die before I pay my van off. <laughs> you know, yeah. I don't have to pay it off. It's great. Let's go. Let's do it. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and I I was tattooing at the time. I was just out of my apprenticeship, and it was you know coming up as a tattooer, especially a tiny lady tattooer in the Bay Area, is pretty rough. And mm-hmm. I was living with a bunch of shitty roommates that got us robbed and. It was just really stressful to be out there. I was working, I had the apprenticeship, and then I was also working two other jobs and then commuting 45 minutes each way to where I was living. And then I had this this this, this landlord that was like a villain from a Dickens novel. It was ridiculous. And I, I just, after living there for maybe like six or seven years, I was like, screw this. I don't have to live here. I'm just going to go take out, you know, alone, and I'm going to get a van, and I'm going to get out on the road. That's what I did. You've just been doing that ever since, pretty much. Uh-huh. Yep. Well, so the – how how do you tattoo? Do you, do you, like, guest – like, I mean, obviously not during a pandemic, but, like, do you go to – like, do guest residencies at shops? Do you have a setup in your van? Do you – I never tattoo out of the van, which is – it's really funny because I think – this is crazy to me that people want to get tattooed out of the van, and I tell them – you know, the two things that your mom told you not to do is get a tattoo and get into a vehicle with a stranger. <laughs> Both of those at once, like, no, you're not allowed. This is my space. I will tattoo you at a shop. And so I normally tattoo people at a guest spot at a shop, um, whatever town that I'm in that, that invited me. Oh, that's cool. That's, yeah. I mean, I assumed you didn't do it out of the van, but it, it reminded <laughs> me of, like, there's this short film called uh, – like Bobby Bird, the Devil in Denim. That this guy, I'm a I'm a huge fan of, named Carson Mel, um, who I don't know. He's just made a handful of different, like written some movies, and he had a TV show on TBS for a little bit. But the short film of his, I saw in this is like a long setup, but I saw in Sundance when I was in college, um, is about this like musician who, and it's like the stories of all of his tattoos, and like ah. one of them is he's got like. This giant, I'll send you a link to it because it's such a funny video, but he's got like this giant spider in the middle of his chest. And like he tells a story about how like his friend drew up what like the meaning of rock and roll was. Like it's like this, it's like hot steel running down a highway and like all this jagged sharp rocks and, and just like all these brutal things. And then just a beautiful woman in the middle of it, like naked with her arms open, like. And and he's like, and this guy draws it perfectly, so I take it to the first tattoo artist I can find and have him put it smack dab in the middle of my chest. And what does he do? He fucks it up. (laughs) (laughs) And he's like, so then two months later, you meet a dude living out of his van or a decent tattooer living out of his van, and you trade him two cases of bud to turn it into a spider. And it was just like... Sorry, it's like, I'm going to send you a link to that because it's it's much funnier than I'm able to explain it. Oh, I've had stories like that before, you know, or just, you know, just stopping at random gas stations where, you know, they ask you where you're from when you tell them California, which is your first mistake. Mm-hmm. And then 
And then you, you know you haven't you haven't really blinked in sixteen hours, so they ask you what you do, and you're like, oh, I'm a tattooer. And you're like, oh no, don't tell anyone you're a tattooer when you're trying to get away anywhere. Like, oh, you want to know how much I pay for this tattoo? I'm like, no, no, dude, I don't even know what my middle name is right now. Like, yeah, yeah pack cigarettes, my buddy, also called Spider. You know, you're like, oh, right on, man. You know. <laughs> oh man, yeah, that's uh, it's it's really funny to have seen like in my lifetime the the general well, I mean our lifetimes just the opinion of tattoos and the characters around it to like change a lot but oh. also still be kind of the same well my so my parents um hate that I'm a tattooer a lot um, really oh yeah I mean we don't really have much of a relationship even and I didn't tell them when I was apprenticing and I was when I was living in the Bay Area kind of intermittently just living out of my car and I had friends here and there that would let me crash on their couches and they found out and they weren't stoked and it was kind of like whenever I would hit a rough patch they would say like oh you know maybe if you just went back to school and your sister is doing this and we're supporting her and I was just kind of like no I'm just gonna keep doing this you know this is what I want to do with my life so you know, sorry guys, this is what it's going to be. Now I think they're starting to come around a little bit to it because they're seeing other older people that even have tattoos or just people that are kind of in their arena socially that have tattoos or their kids. And so they're starting to ease up on it, but they still really just dislike that I have. I hid them forever with them. Really? You know, oh, I have full sleeves and everything, you know, like everything on me is basically tattooed except my back and, and they were, um, they were none the wiser for many years. Very hot thing. Yeah. yeah, that's <laughs> very impressive. Um, so what what was growing up like? Was it like a religious household or are they just super conservative? Um, Neither. They're just really, really strict um, as far as, like, education. They're Eastern European Jews. So they're like, it's straight A's or don't come home and you don't get fed, you know? Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was like a really, it was just strange growing up with them. It's kind of like nothing I did was good enough. And I think to escape, I kind of just, I just drew. It was something that I could do by myself. It was something I could kind of just do to kill the time. And I really liked it. You know, I was really into anime and, and anything anim, like in, anything animated. And uh, my aunt would send me all this cool art from Japan. So I would just try to lose myself in that, you know, instead of pay attention to all the goings on in my in my family. Yeah, totally. So was it just you and your sister, the only siblings you have? Yep, yep, two for one deal. Nice. That's uh I'm I'm from a very big family, so sometimes I get jealous of smaller ones. But how I'm many, very grateful for my family. How many folks are in your family? family? How many kids? Um we're kind of a mixed bag. There's uh three boys and five girls, um but they're not all like from the same parents, you know, step We have step siblings and uh adopted brother but there's eight where are you in the lineup i'm third okay pretty good pretty good ranking yeah yeah i don't i don't mind it um you know we all get along really well and it's uh it's it's like a really cool family to be a part of but there were definitely times when like you talk about like just ignoring the things going around in your family with uh drawing and whatnot there were times when i just be like i wish i could disappear like (laughs) and not be a part of this big loud like obnoxious thing that's moving down the highway or going yeah. to the places. Like that's how we would vacation because we were such a big family. There's no way we're getting in planes or doing anything like that. We'd all just 
pile into the car and like just drive around to campgrounds around the country for like two or three weeks every summer. And that's where I kind of fell in love with touring. Yeah. Or the the concept of it. And it's just so been kind of a part of my life, you know, since I was a teenager and um, or even a child. And so I don't think I realized it at the time, but now I've just been kind of chasing that lifestyle. Oh, uh, yeah. I think I've been kind of uh, trying to, I've been trying to be Huck Finn my whole life, I think, because I was forced to do so much stuff as a kid. I just hated my mom, kind of a, She's, she, I think she means well, but she's also kind of a classic narcissist. And she was, she's like, oh, what do you want to do? And I was like, oh, I want to play guitar and I want to do karate. And she's like, you're going to go to ballet lessons and I'm going to take you to acting stuff. And I'm like, I don't want to do any of that. I want to be in a play where spandex or go to gymnastics and, you know, have to yeah. be judged constantly, like you know. And the second I was able to go to school elsewhere, I think I felt free for the first time ever. You know, like I wasn't even allowed to put like any posters up on my walls. And whenever I was listening to music too loud, I got yelled at. So I think, yeah, yeah I mean, it was pretty, it was pretty bad. I grew up in a pink room with white lace. And if any of the people who are listening to this know who I am, <laughs> they're like, oh my God, woman. Like I wasn't yeah, allowed to just, change it. Based off of your Instagram, I think that's uh, very, very surprising that you grew up in a pink room with white lace. <laughs> Yeah, sometimes metalheads are made, <laughs> you know. Totally. I mean, my it's funny that I sing like countryish music now because I was so punk rock because it was just like any whatever I can do. Like I mainly got into skateboarding and punk rock because I knew it drove my parents crazy. <laughs> and then I just fell in love with it and it became such a just genuine part of who I was and my ethos and like that, you know, I it didn't matter whether they it was driving them crazy or not because it was just what I loved to do and I was going to do it anyways. Yeah, exactly. And I think country, to a, a large extent, is pretty punk rock, man. I love country, you know? Oh, I, I agree. But, like, to 13-year-old me, I did not get that. <laughs> yeah. You know, it wasn't until, like, I went through the whole thing of, like, punk rock in junior high to, like, screamo, emo, MySpace, whatever was going on in high school to, like, in alternative indie rock stuff and then rediscovered the Johnny Cash American recordings around the time I discovered Lucero and started writing my own songs at like 23 and was like, oh, okay, country music's fucking sick. Yeah. Well, I used to listen to it on the radio as a kid and I used to get made fun of so hard for it, you know? This, this is like the Reba McIntyre, Garth Brooks, Dwight Yoakam era. Oh, that's what I was raised on was Garth Brooks and Reba oh, yeah. for sure. Oh, so good. And then and then I didn't get a lot of the outlaw country until much later. I rediscovered that. But I went I went straight from that to punk rock, which when I found that, I basically the Dead Kennedys got me through high school. And oh yeah. Yeah, Mine I went to a Catholic high school. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah, yeah <laughs> Catholic high school. That must have been rough. I just went to a school where everybody was Catholic or Mormon. <laughs> oh God, yeah. Yeah. It just um, wasn't by rules. Right. Yeah. It was, it was, uh, there were a lot of rules. There were a lot of praying. A lot of me getting in trouble for swearing during mass <laughs> on ac on accident, but you know. Uh, and then, yeah, me and my dead Katie's t shirt, we didn't have a dress code. So I was, you know, I don't think they were terribly wise to certain punk bands at the time. And, uh, 
This one kid, I remember he got in trouble for wearing a black flag t-shirt until he tried to explain to them it was the insecticide and they let him go. Oh, that's yeah. amazing. Yeah. Um, but then, yeah, and then I and then I found that a lot of the punks at my school, though, were really angry and super judgmental in yeah. this way. And, and so I was like, oh, okay, you know, and there's like a lot of really supportive punk scenes. I just wasn't in one in a tiny Catholic school in Napa, California. So um, I, when I found metal, it just blew my mind, you know, and I had these kids that were a year ahead of me that basically they were like my older brothers and they they looked at what I was listening to and they're like okay this is a really good start but let me give you everything else yeah so I, I was lucky in that respect oh man that's that's those are the I don't even know like I don't think I would have survived junior high and high school if it wasn't for those characters like my friend's older brother is showing me punk rock for the first time or my buddy Corey Jarman being like, like, I, like telling me here when you're in Phoenix this weekend, buy this Bright Eyes album and listen to it for two weeks. And if you like it, I'll give you a burned copy of this other Bright Eyes album. And like nobody in my school <laughs> knew who Bright Eyes was yet. And uh, oh. he was just like not letting anyone know because all the fucking kids, other kids would ruin it. And yeah, I, that, I remember that blowing my mind. It's like funny now because Bright Eyes is just kind of like, I, mean, I still love it, but it's like kind of the butt of the joke in a lot of ways. But oh, I was, I that, that, kid I was like, that kid. I know. I would have been the one pointing out probably that you were that kid. <laughs> like, not in a gentle way, but, you know, we're like, okay, I know that you really like this, but you should, like, really listen to Sodom. I think it would be good for you. <laughs> yeah. No, totally. There were definitely friends like that, too, that were um, – I mean, I didn't really get into metal until, like, my 20s. Honestly, I didn't get heavier into it until I was, until I moved to New York City, actually. Some of my friends that I made that are in this band called Grandpa Jack, which if you're not familiar, you should listen. Um, they they just became close homies and kind of just, I, I kind of went down that road a little bit. Yeah. Um, it's the yeah, one sorry. thing about living in a city, you know. I mean, I, I must say, I was lucky enough, even though I was such a, such a scrounging orphan when I was in uh in Oakland I got to come up and like see a lot of these bands that are just amazing now like I got to see Yob and Necrot and Vastum and Ludacra and all these bands just play small venues high on fire yeah. too used to be able to go get a beer oh, yeah. in that bike you know and because yeah, he was working at Eli's <laughs> yeah that that blows my mind because when I Last time I saw Matt Pike, he was standing in front of like 17 amps, and and like there was like 5,000 people because it was a sleep show. Oh yeah, sleep is amazing. It was cool to get to actually see them play again because I was in the generation after. I wasn't able to see them when they were first playing, but mm-hmm. man, I gotta tell you, as much as I love sleep, I mean, high on fire. Good God, I mean, they still just blow your hair straight out of your scalp, you know, <laughs> two miles away listening to that band. They're so good. Yeah, I haven't seen High on Fire live, but I would definitely pay some really good money to do it because. <laughs> or any band, um, right? You're like any band. Oh God. Well, right now, Jesus, yeah. Like sleep when I saw them, I I had it was amazing. I would do it again, but I also like just w- was uncomfortably stoned to the point <laughs> where I just like I'm surprised I could stay standing. Like one of the you know like I'm I'm a stoner. I smoke weed every day. It's like I, I almost like self medicate with it, but I'm not like. 
I have a one hitter I carry around and I hit throughout the day. Like I'm not trying to like just get ripped. And that was the type of situation where everyone, like we're walking to the venue and like everybody's just passing like 18 joints around and there's like six of us. Uh-huh. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. But and it was great. Contact high even just like I went to see, um, I went to see Ulm in Santa oh, Cruz yeah. and that's, you know, Santa Cruz, I love that crowd. That's where I went to college. I have such good buds there. And, um, yeah, up front, uh, my friend gave me a hit of grandpa weed. I don't really smoke weed much. And um, that plus the contact high plus the heaviness, I was just, I couldn't make words <laughs> anymore. I was like, huh, I think, I wanted to think I was comfortably high. I just didn't have the words to say it in my brain, you know. Kind yeah, I definitely... I just like kind of melted into the vibrations of what was happening was, and I think that's kind of what you do during like that kind of music, but it was, yeah. I'd never, I've never been to that level of like, just like, I don't know where I end and, and my friend Jared begins, <laughs> you know, like it just like, it's just vibrations and my stoned consciousness being like, what the fuck is happening right now? <laughs> That's not terrible. I mean, like, I, I, those kind of shows are great. I also kind of miss those shows where you just get beaten up just by being there. You know what I mean? Like, totally. May he very much in peace, Riley Gale. But Power Trip, I have gotten so injured just by being at a Power Trip show in the best way possible. You know, yeah. it's like people diving off the stage and me just being like, okay, I have only this much time at the front of the stage before I have to stage dive off or my my ribs will get cracked again. So, you know, and then people are like, it's cool, we got you, we'll help you up and just toss you over into the crowd. It's such a good time, you know, like, I uh, miss that. That's, that, that's like the one kind of crowd situation I can kind of do. Yeah, no, I I get that. That was, that was something that blew my mind at my first concert when I was like, uh, oh, I don't know, like 13, 12, I can't even remember. I went and saw, like, the Ataris and, like, Nada Surf and Nerf Herder. My friend's older brother took us to the show because I was, like, super into pop punk for a short amount of junior high. And, uh, okay, and I had a butt like, rock phase. We're all guilty. Yeah. yeah. And then, like, <laughs> watching um, just, like, show etiquette unfold and starting to get it. Like, like people fall over and everyone, like, helps them up. And, like, yeah. Uh, that guy's crowd surfing. He's kind of being an asshole, you know, like kind of being like this, this preteen, early teenager and being like, oh, I think I kind of get this. This is cool. Like seeing community that wasn't like a sports team I was playing on or like, um, or like, I don't know, something to do with school or church. It was just like people there for the music and it was like community. And it was, I don't know, it was a really cool and powerful thing to experience and recognize. And what was your first show? Oh God! I don't even remember. You don't remember? I'm trying, no, I'm trying to because I've been. I know that I've been asked this before. I'm trying to just kind of go back into the archives. You know, to what my first show was. It is fun though to see it. It's like you know this whole Diane Fossey gorillas in the mist. Sometimes to just sit back, if if you can, sometimes to like see how it all unfolds. You know, but I'm so short. I'm always in the front. Mm-hmm moshing my face off and just trying to not pay attention to what's going on in the back of me and then try to, you know, have a decent stance and block anything that comes, you know, flailing from either side. But, oh, man, I don't know. It's kind of a blur. I don't really – I don't remember my first show. I feel like I should. Maybe it was just that good or that bad. No, it's totally, totally legit. Like, 
there's been were, quite a few since. Were you going to, um, like, when you were going to shows early on, were you going to, like, like little, like, DIY shows, or were you... Um, mm, mostly more club like, stuff. Because okay. I, I was, again, I was, like, pretty tightly controlled as a kid. I didn't really get to go to shows until I was in college, really, you know? Oh, okay. Yeah, and so I... I I was going to more like certain little club shows or smaller venues. The Catalyst was the the spot in Santa Cruz, and they had two mm-hmm. rooms. One was for larger shows, and one for smaller ones in the atrium. And uh, they had a couple other little shows here and there. But uh, you know, DIY is definitely more of a definitely more of a punk thing. When I moved to Oakland um, around 2000, I want to say 2008. I, then there were some more DIY warehouse shows that all kinds of bands were playing in that I would go to. But mm-hmm. yeah. And um, when with art, like I was looking through your um, your Instagram, I have been for weeks since Matt told me to, or possibly months now since Matt told me to follow you and to have you on the podcast. And it's just, I mean, really cool stuff. I, I love just the the blend of like the Southwest kind of vibe and like the old seventies. I, I don't know. You you got a very distinct style that's um, really cool. What when did you start drawing? And like when? Like, can you tell me a little bit about your journey as like an artist? Um, I started drawing the second I can hold a crayon. My grandma would come visit, and she would bring my sister and I large pads of newsprint with crayons, and we would just sit and draw for hours, and we would make up these little stories as we're doing it, you know. Um, and just, you know, kind of, uh, just drew whatever we saw. And then when I was getting a little bit more serious about it, um, and I wanted to learn to draw, I would watch anime and I would also look at ukiyo-e woodblock prints and I would try to, um, replicate them for skill. And then after that, like, it would be kind of like poster art I was really into. So like Alphonse Mucha, who is this, uh, Art Nouveau. Um, lithographer uh, and painter. I was looking at his stuff and then all the old French posters from around like that, you know, the 1800s, 1900s. Um, and then kind of just from there, try, you know, I got the internet at some point and then all these books in the library I would check out of just like Russian movie posters from the turn of the century that are really graphic and beautiful and interesting design wise and traditional Japanese painting and woodblock carving, and then that led to tattooing, so getting to see kind of the tradition of how the woodblock prints go into tattoos. And then a lot of manga, a lot of anime, and then that kind of led to the more of the comic book style uh, 70s art. So then, you know, a lot of Frank Rosetta, for sure, influence. Um, Frank Rosetta, Rick Griffin, all that 60s art is amazing like all of the stuff that he did is just mind-blowing huge influence oh. too and yeah i'm just like really i think it's the impact of like a black line you know and a lot of high contrast to like evoke this impact of an image is really big for me and when you're out in the desert man like you just you see that in the landscape yeah yeah totally yeah i grew so, up in like the high desert so yeah and where in new mexico are you actually I'm in Santa Fe. Oh yeah, you you're where I grew up is very similar to Santa Fe. It's like a little higher up and like a lot of pine trees and 
Oh, yeah. You're like you're like three or four hours from where I grew up right now. Oh, awesome! Yeah, I mean, I love I love the high desert, you know, because you get the mountains and then you get the mesas as well, and the high contrast, especially certain times of day, of the contours of the landscape are really mm-hmm. awesome. And I I notice that like my art's kind of I liken it to a spaghetti western a little bit, you know. Yeah, taking, I was gonna say that. Yeah. Yeah, you're taking you're taking basically um, the 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 tools and and sometimes the inspiration and balance and construction from Japanese art and then applying it to Western subject matter. You yeah, know, that's all. Oh, I, I wouldn't have been able to articulate that, but that's kind of what it's invoked a bit when I look at your art. I'm looking at it right now, and it's that's really cool. Yeah, and it's weird because I didn't plan, plan it on being that way. But it just it turned out that way, and just my my life in general. And Santa Fe kind of has that feeling to it of there's certain aesthetic points that are very similar to certain Japanese art, and the balance that you find there, and I'm and it just it's perfect, you know. So I find a lot of inspiration here. That's yep. really cool. Do you have you been since uh, I mean since quarantine started? Have you been traveling? Or I feel like a few weeks ago when yeah. I talked to you, you were in California. Yeah, so what happened was I was in Arizona. I was on my way. God, I jinxed this. Okay. I so I was I was trying not to tell too many people this, but I I was supposed to work the Luck Reunion as a tattooer, and that's Willie Nelson's barbecue. And I knew oh, it was yeah. too good to be true. And I was telling people, I know this is too good to be true, but I'm going to go work this gig. I'm so stoked and then it was canceled because of COVID and I was like, "Oh no, I've jinxed the world." Like <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I didn't know I had. I've had power. that thought a couple of times. <laughs> right? Yeah. And and so um, I was I was in Arizona at the time. I was going to make the drive to Texas, and I figured I'd just get up to New Mexico, and then everything shut down, and I was just basically in New Mexico for about six months. And over the last seven years, I haven't been anywhere over a week or two weeks. So, wow. yeah. So it was quite a long time, but nothing was open so I was just like well I guess I could try to crush work um try to paint as much as possible see if I can keep afloat doing that and go hike every day at the crack of dawn to avoid people and that's what I was doing for about six months and it got way too hot especially when you live in a little tin can on wheels that just basically turns into an oven at a certain time of day and after like a few subsequent days of literally hugging bags of ice to stay alive, I was like, I need to, I need to go. I need to get back to California at least for the weather change. And mm-hmm. I went back, hot in California, and then it was on fire. So <laughs> I came back. Damn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it sounds like you've had a. I mean, I think we've all had a hell of a year, but it sounds like you've exceptionally had a hell of a year. Yeah, it's it's one of the things I think with van life, it's it's kind of if you have a if you have a brain that is constantly overly busy, sometimes it is nice to give it a task like, okay, where am I going to get food today? Where am I going to go today? Where am I going to find shade at this time? Where can I park? Like sometimes like being able to plan those things to distract your mind if it if it works a lot, uh, sometimes to your detriment is good. It's giving it good things to do to keep you alive but when it comes to this whole COVID thing and you're not in a situation where the weather's good or you can't be protected from smoke or you know you can't find a bathroom or I've literally had 
less than 10 showers this whole year, real showers, then it gets a little yeah. a little tiring. Yeah, I used to have a system that was a little better when I could get out of the van a little bit more, and then, you know, you post up at some smoky honky-tonk and, you know, find some old-timer to take a shine to you and give you, like, some cool advice, like, you know, give oh, a sure. little bit of a meaning to your existence. And, yeah, now it was just kind of just me, you know, being with me this whole time. <laughs> Damn, that's I, – I commend you for – keeping it together it sounds like you've kept it together pretty well by the end of the six months when i was living out of the van um i i was i was losing it yeah i, I would have you ever i remember having days because like it was the whole plan was to just be like funding the the trip that we were on through work i found on craigslist and whatever gigs i could find and like talk yeah. my way into yeah and so you'd have these uh these lulls of time where it's like, I can't, cause this was 2012 and we were driving a 92 GMC conversion van. So we got like 12 miles to the gallon. And I think yeah. gas got as high as $5 a gallon in Chicago. Jeez. It was like the worst summer or year to be doing it ever. Like gas has never been more expensive than the year I tried to do van life. Yeah. Uh, and um, so there were times like, especially after my buddy left, cause we, we did like two months of it and we were having a great time, but then we hit a lull of like no work and we got like bed bugs in the van and it was just oh. like a bunch of like, just like horror. We had to bug bomb the van like while we just like hung out in a park and just like smoking out the windows. Um, just fucking, it was just crazy. And, um, but and we were like dumb and in our early, it was just after college. So That's any money we well, it was great, but, like, any money we did have, instead of being smart with it, we spent it on, like, 40s, just getting, like, fucked up every night, because it's like, well, we're stuck in this parking lot, but we got three bucks for for 40s. Um, and it was a great <laughs> yeah. time, but my buddy just ended up being like, I can't do this anymore, and he left. And um, so I had to do, but I had some gigs booked on, like, the, the East Coast, and I feel like I've told this story on the podcast before, but I had a lot of time to kill, because it was like, I was going to play, like, Boston and, and New York, and um like maryland and stuff but i just had like weeks between them yeah and i found found myself just just kind of like hiding out in the van like pulling drawing the curtains over the windows and just like hanging out in truck stops for like days on end maybe like two or three days because i was like had no money and just like sad and lonely and like i was two or three thousand miles from anyone i really knew yeah like how do you fight that because I can be such an introvert to the point where it's like debilitating at times and I'll just be like fuck it and I'll spend three days in my bedroom because I'm just like I just don't want to fucking see anyone. oh I'm I'm kind of I don't know I feel like I'm kind of an alien in this way where I've I feel like I'm some kind of strange coyote that was cursed by a grumpy hungover witch to be a human (laughs) that wears denim and I find people to be awesome like I really love uh, talking to people because you can learn so much from anybody, you know, like anybody that you talk to know something that I don't know. And I want to know what that's like. And also kind of, I think also I'm kind of trying to figure out how to be a human too, you know? Yeah. And so by, so by like interacting with other people, I'm getting some of that, but I, you know, I grew up kind of isolated and I grew up with another person and she's amazing, but the family dynamic was really painful so the thing about people is I love them so much to this point of like, 
I will give them everything, but I also like have been hurt by them so much and kind of don't, you know, I have like a bunch of issues around that, that it's almost more peaceful for me to be by myself because there's other things that I love so much that it sustains me. So if I go hiking, you know, and I see cute birds that day, I'm stoked. If I get back to the van, um, I'm like, well, I could draw a thing, you know, and that might be cool. Maybe I'll learn something from that. And then I was like, you know, I should probably be learning Japanese right now and the guitar would be good. And then I wrote a thing. So there's like so much that I want to do that it kind of keeps me occupied. And when I'm out and about somewhere and I'm in a new town, it's like, cool, I'm going to go post myself up at some bar, see what the scene's like, see, you know, like maybe listen to some tunes and talk to some people. And if that's not open, I'll go to a museum and learn a thing. So it was kind of like there's so much stuff I feel like to do that I'm actually at the point of, you know, like, oh, I just, you know, I can't do all of it. And then I can and then I can go retreat into my van, kind of my space of like where I can be alone. It it feels more like a gift, right? Where I can like go recover, or have another bout where I'm so sick and I'm in so much pain and I can't walk and I can't work. Then I have a place I can go to lay down and do that for a few days, and then no one has to see it happen. You know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's that's really interesting and actually really inspiring. Like I, I it's. Ex- Exceptional, just your ability to just be like, um, like you said, if you see a couple cute birds, like you're stoked that day. Like you're just kind of like living, seems like it's very present and very just like this is what's happening now. And, and, yeah. and like it doesn't matter what happened or what's going to happen. This is what's happening now. That's I'm, I'm like envious of that. That's, re- that's really cool that you're able to do uh, that. Don't be. I mean, in a way it's cool in that. Um, I think there's a lot of, I feel there's like a lot of pain and trauma that got me to that place. But at the same time, it's like, you know, in some ways with living this van life, sometimes stuff is so shitty that when you get those little things, those little moments, they're so much sweeter because of all the, all the other crazy, scary stuff you went through. And I'm, I'm also like a tiny lady on the road. Like I have a whole different Kind of like I would never, ever, ever, ever camp at a truck stop or at a rest stop or in a parking lot, like a Safeway parking lot. It's just like way too risky and around too many other people, Yeah. you know? So it's kind of like, you know, if I had a, let's say I have just like a night where I didn't sleep, I'm in a really weird neighborhood, I'm hearing sounds outside the van, I can't place. If I get up in the morning and the weather's good and I get to just barrel down the road blasting tunes and with the wind in my hair you know it's like oh this is the best feeling ever this is why i did this but you know that night before i definitely wasn't feeling that you know totally no that's uh it's it's interesting the if you if you could in the moment like i deal with depression and um like my mental health is has uh at times been pretty like poor and the past few years I've, i've figured out kind of like how to handle that a lot better and and like when I'm able to find myself slipping into one of those like really dark moments and like or when you're on the road and everything's really difficult or you've had like three or four bad shows in a row I have to take a moment to be like what would it take for me to feel good again um and realize it's like man I just need like three people in the living room that are there to listen to me play some songs you know what I mean it's like it doesn't take much it's not like I need 10,000 people screaming my words at me. It's like, I just need like that, that the little, it just, I don't know, being able to be like, it's so small what I need. And then it yeah. makes everything else seem kind of like 
dumb bullshit, and it's easy to just kind of let it go. Yeah, I mean, I I always battled massive, massive anxiety as a kid, and uh, still still now too. And I think part of me getting out on the road was uh, part of a way to deal with that. And you know, if I'm on the road listening to a podcast, trying to better myself, but I have something to do, you know, whether that's driving or you know finding a place to sleep or go and have a chat with some strangers, you know, that it's good for me because it's it's keeping me from, I guess, you know, just kind of stewing. But at the same time, I think it is also a defense mechanism, you know, to be in this little shell, you know, like it's not always the best. I think sometimes going from town to town and seeing people, you know, you, you only have to deal with certain relationships for so long, which is great in that you get to see people you love very much who care about you, but you're not really in their lives on the day to day, you know? Yeah. I call, I call that being a ghost. mm -hmm. Like when I'm on tour, the times that it's been the the worst and I've completely just lost myself. I'm just like passing through town to town and I'm, I'm of no real significance to anything taking place. Like, whether I was there or not wouldn't really matter. And it's like, I'm seeing people that I care about and, and I love, but it's, it's very easy to feel just completely detached from it. And like, you're seeing everything through like a plate glass window in a way. Yeah. And in some ways it's not horrible. It's, 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 I mean, I, I, you have the, the flip side of the coin, right? Where part of you is kind of like, well, who would care if I was gone or who would know? Because I'm on the road so much that, you know, I was always thinking, like, my parents, I wonder if they, if I ever, I mean, I've almost died on the road a few times, like, car accidents and all kinds of stuff, and I was wondering, like, who would even know, because, you know, and when, because I'm not really in contact with someone regularly enough for uh-huh. for that, and then I was like, well, who get my stuff? Nobody wants my stuff, it's fine, so that's cool, but... <laughs> But I also like, you know, part of me, when I feel that way, I was like, well, that's one way to look at it. Or maybe just look at it like this kind of, you know, Gandalf persona would be great. You know, you show up, sometimes you have fireworks, people are happy to see you, hopefully, you know. <laughs> and then, yeah. you know, and then and then you're on to the next adventure. And I mean, I'm now like through this pandemic, being that I've actually like been in a place for a certain period of time, and you kind of realize that you can be social or not if you want, you know, and I, I actually have the ability of staying in this van and being mostly fine if the weather's good, you know, then, and like choosing to see people if I want to and not really needing to be any part of a scene, then it's like, oh yeah, I could probably live somewhere, I guess. I mean, I'm always going to want to travel, but the idea of like being based out of somewhere doesn't seem too horrible anymore. <laughs> totally. I, I can, I can see that kind of eventually being the evolution is like, because I, I mean, you could do van life forever, um, but what what would the goal be? Like, what something I like to ask my my guests or some of my touring friends is like, are you running to or from something? Um, and does that change like from minute to minute or day to day? You know, I think I think it's it was a mixture of both, and I think it will always be that. I think the balance changes though. Um, you know, I think. I was running, I was definitely running from something, for sure, mm-hmm. uh, and I and I don't know if it was for myself, I think it was like, I was trying to find myself, so you're kind of running from yourself, but trying to find who you are, you know, at the same time. Yeah, and for it, sure. Yeah, and it definitely, it, it, it becomes clearer over time and adversity, you know, it's very much like a lot of these fantasy novels that I, I love to read so much, because oh, in a lot of ways, that journey is very, 
very true, but at the same time, it's like there's some things about yourself you can't really outrun, and you learn that pretty quick. So it's yeah, been, it's, it's the cave. <laughs> yeah, you, yeah. Like Joseph Campbell. I don't know if you're familiar, like the hero's yeah, journey. Yeah, like the you, whole hero's journey and stuff, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you have to go into the cave, and only and like it's you that you're going to face in there. Yeah. And and it's and it's kind of is this idea too that you know like I also have changed you know and that's the thing is like you face yourself and you and you change and it's gotten to the point where I'm in some ways very comfortable enough with my ability to roll the punches and figure it out because if it's just you you don't really have a choice to you know you you can call somebody but who who's going to be there if you don't have any cell reception AAA can't come for you. You got to self, you know, like just talk to yourself, get through that storm, get through the scary night, get through, you know, trying to figure out how to make some money, you know, and get down the road to the next gig. But I think now it's kind of like, okay, well, now I'm maybe my too feral. And if that's the case, then the thing I got to work on is just, you know, being reintegrated into human society or not. I don't know. That's going to be the next question, I think. Kind of all up in the air at this point. Right, and that's the thing, you know, like, I think when you're on the road for so long, you get really tired, and the idea of, like, you know, having a nice, like, a nice day or week of weather, getting some rest is great, but it seems at this point that the world that was already kind of hairy for me before has gotten a little hairier, so that's going to be a whole different set of things to think about instead of that, you know, two weeks of napping I was looking for. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, it's, it's, the world is changing before our eyes. I mean, you could, which is like a ridiculous, dumb cliche thing to say because it's always changing. But like this year is like, I, I don't know what live music looks like. I don't know what my, the thing that I've, you know, figured out, I've based my whole life around and, you know, my living around, I'm just like, Oh, I don't know when that's going to be a thing again. You know, I'm going to have to – I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, yeah, no, I was going to say, like, one thing at least I've learned from this crazy road life is, especially if we're doing it for so long, is as much as it sucks and it is scary, you will be so surprised just how how much – if you really – if you really kind of just deal with it head on, that you can actually adapt much easier and, and much quicker than you think you can, you know. Yeah. Um, it's scary, you know, and when the pandemic happened, when I was looking at it, everyone's like, couple months, I was like, this is going to be for the rest of the year. Okay, I got to put my head down and kind of endure this. And and you will absolutely find ways of doing it, and there will be really kind people who will try to help you because they care, which I got to keep reminding myself about because that is very true for, for road life. But human beings, like, are scared shitless of change but are so extremely adaptable to it it's 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 the 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 moment that you are able to tell yourself that that's a thing you can do and it's in your you know it's been in our species forever and you are actually good at it then you'll have a much easier time of actually getting through it you know totally that's i mean it's like almost cliche but they say that the you're like your molecules completely replaced like every seven years or something like that and it's like we're, that's we're we're constantly in a state of change. That's the that's what we're that's that's just the, the nature of reality is is constant change or like everything's on fire. Um, nothing lasts. Um, how will you adapt moment to moment? 
Yeah. And and especially like, you know, I've had some stuff with my health that was that took some stuff away from me. Like there's things I can't do anymore and it sucks and I hate it and I fought it forever. And at the end of the day, I was like, well, you know what? You can lament that forever if you want. It's not going to be productive. The only thing that you can do right now is what you can with what you got. You know? Yeah. So it's kind of like as much of that as you can do, do it. If you need help, ask people, you know, which I'm really horrible at doing, but I'm trying to get better at. <laughs> uh, I can really. You know? Yeah. But it's it's kind of it's kind of like – you know the way that people keep rolling down the road is together and even though i have a pretty solitary existence i wouldn't nearly i wouldn't be able to do this without other kind souls and they still exist in this world and they exist and they bleed right now and they're so good and those 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 souls that are those ones those beautiful shining bleeding hearts they're shining a little harder and brighter right now you know because of this so they do exist and they are out there and it's you know, I don't know what kind of world is going to be after that, but I still feel like, you know, horrible things have happened in the past and there's still really good folks out there, you know, and you know them. You've seen them yeah. on the road. Oh, for sure. That's the, the, the what I love about the road is it's throwing yourself into the, the abyss of the universe and letting it catch you and, and throw you through whatever loops it feels like throwing you through. And they're usually not real bad ones. <laughs> well, they can be, but I think it's it's I think it's kind of the things that sometimes like if you try to do good and be good to other people, they'll see that in you and they'll try to do it back. And I think that's even people that you think you know, like you can find common ground with almost anybody if you try, you know. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think that's kind of what we need to be doing right now. And that's what that probably was like the biggest lesson I learned just being on the road, you know, and 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 just being in all these different towns and talking to so many people. That, you know, I might not agree with someone's politics and they might look at me and think I'm weird, but they'll sit down next to me and at least talk to me. And then by the end of the conversation, we're friends, you know. Totally. Yeah, I I love that part of that aspect of travel. And I I miss it a lot. It's just the little random, I call them highway friends, you know, just like the Mm -hmm. little, like, and I have highway friends that are now very close, very close friends and that just started as like a random conversation in a bar. Um, and then there's also countless, you know, like you said, old timers that have said exactly what I needed to hear in that moment mm-hmm. and kind of blew my fucking mind. And then they walked off into the, the sunset <laughs> never to be seen again. And I'm yep. just like, dude, what the fuck he knew? Like, like, yeah, that's the, uh, those are, those are fun experiences. You know, those old men or women with a twinkle in their eye, just being like, I'm going to say exactly what you need to hear right now. And, and you're never going to see me again. <laughs> yep. And after a while, you, you'll you become that. You'll become that. That's the that goal. I've, I, I, they call me Grumpy Old Chuck, or some people call me Grumpy <laughs> Old Chuck. It depends on depends on how the week's going. But uh, He is grumpy yeah. as Chuck right now. I have been grumpy as Chuck for a long time. I feel like I've been a grumpy old man since I was a child. <laughs> we uh, Do you have any rules of the road any anything oh, yeah. that, like is the bible or or the lord's truth to you yeah i mean the bible and the lord's truth to metalhead is a little uh in, in a different arena than i am in but uh i have <laughs> i have like a personal bushido i guess yeah i got a code um cool for for van stuff especially um i feel like if you're gonna do the van life you kids out there 
take heed, but you're 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 living this life and you're if you're parking in a neighborhood or you're doing it, try to be respectful of the people around you. And this goes for driving too. It's all about mutual respect for people, you know, like don't drive like a dick. Other people are trying to survive and get to where they need to go. Please signal, you know. Mm-hmm. Um and if you're parking in a neighborhood, don't trash it. You know, I, I I'll go in, I'll park or, you know, like late at night and then I'll be extremely quiet and then I'll leave in the morning. And I think people are a little bit more accepting to your vehicle if they know that you're kind of coming back and forth. And I would leave a lot and change neighborhoods just so that it's a little safer for me personally, but also people don't get a little nervous that some creepy van is parking in their in their neighborhood. Oh, yeah. You know, because, like, you don't really want to be a burden to people. You know, don't play loud music. Don't, you know, trash the place. Absolutely pack out all of your trash that goes for trail and while you're, you know, sleeping on the road. And just, you know, when you go somewhere, the easiest way to be a local or try to endear yourself to the locals is just be cool, you know, treat everybody with respect. Um, Ask how their day's going. If you are in a, you know, like going to a bar or restaurant tip, as well as you can, you know, which is hard sometimes you're in a dirt bag, but just try to yeah. be a good presence on the road, you know, like make people want to see you again if if you can manage it. And yeah, I mean, that's kind of it. I guess it's like that whole Willie Nelson, don't be an asshole thing, you know? <laughs> yeah, for sure. No, it's, it's <laughs> so true. Yeah. And the times you can catch yourself in the moment of being an asshole and being like, I'm being an asshole right now. And then, let it go. Those are those are some good lear- learning moments. Yeah, I can I can get a little ornery sometimes, and uh, especially for stuff I really care about. And then, you know, usually I'm pretty good at not reacting so badly, but every once in a while it happens, and I gotta check myself. But yeah, I mean, it's a big world out there. There's a lot of people, and everybody, you know, is to me the same in a way. Not not in that like everyone's experience is the same, but they are all human beings. And it's hard to be a human being, and everybody should have the same level of respect until they don't earn it, you know? Mm-hmm. And then they just don't get your energy anymore. Then you move on. But, you know, nobody's better than anybody else. We're all in the soup going through it, and some people have much harder circumstances to have to deal with to get through it. And, it's, it, it's you know, I, I think it should be treated with compassion instead of instead of hatred and and contentiousness, you know? I agreed. I, something you mentioned earlier about how, like, horrible things have happened and they're still good people. Like, bad things have happened in the past. They're still good people. Like, we'll get through this, and that's going to be one of the con- like the constants. No matter what happens with, you know, the election next month or, or whatever is, like, the, the constant is, like, compassion and empathy are required tools to move forward. Oh, like, yeah, they, and they're punk rock now, dude. <laughs> compassion and empathy is, yeah, that's the most punk thing you can do is, like, Right now, yeah. I, yeah, I loved about, like, my friends and people I'm familiar with out in the Pacific Northwest that, like, you know, the narrative around the country is Antifa, or, you know, depending on where you get your information, but, like, Antifa mm-hmm. and the protesters in Portland are the bad guys or whatever. But as soon as those fires broke out, all of the people or a lot of the people protesting were setting up mutual aid things and helping people with evacuations and everything like that. The Proud Boys or whoever the other side is we're doing like stopping and checking like doing road checks like unauthorized road checks and like 
stopping people because they looked like they might be starting wildfires. It's like, which side do you want to be on? Which side do you want? You know what I mean? It's like, I'd rather be the one like handing out food and water than like. Yeah. I have a lot of friends up in Portland. Most, most of them are, are very, are metal heads and tattooers. And I think, I think a lot of times the people that look really weird, uh, or at least I do, I'm tattooed and I look like a metal head as a, it's like an armor for me, you know? It's it's what gives me strength. I and it also like in a lot of ways shows that I'm different than what I think the rest of society is. And not to say that it's a they're necessarily bad. I just you know I don't agree with what I've had to deal with from a lot of people in society. So I look this way, and I and I think that's very sad. You know because it's some of the sweetest, most caring, lovely, intelligent people that live up there. You know that are are, are getting labeled such horrible things when. You know, those are the people that have cared for me the most, and and my largest friend group is up there, and I I worry about them, but I also know that when the shit hits the fan, they 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 come together and try to help. You know. Yeah, look for it's the Mister Rogers line. Look for the helpers. Yeah. You know, those are the those are people I want to align myself with, and I I, I love that compassion and empathy are are just a required part of being on the road or just being human. I think. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. No, that's, that's really interesting. I, I just really dig what you're doing and your, your, your views on all of it. Oh, thanks, <laughs> it's man. Very inspiring. You, um, it, and I can't believe seven years that, that just blows my mind. You're, I like, yeah, it's starting to feel a little long now. <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry. I hope I'm not making you feel like that way or, or like self-conscious about no, no. that or anything. Or are you just, you're saying you're just starting to get tired. No, I'm just like, you know, sitting back, smoking my pipe, like, hmm, yeah, oh, seven years now. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's been you a guys... long time, hasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. The Gandalf persona, it it just fits you. I'm going gray, man, and I, I think I might be growing a slight beard. I, You know, I don't really have a mirror in here. I can't really tell, but I'm just like, yeah, maybe just let it come in. I'm wearing a mask anyway. No one can really tell. So. Yeah. Fly, yeah. fly that, let that beard grow if, if, you know, I mean, yeah, if you can be any more like Gandalf. You know, some people want to be like Jesus. I want to be like Gandalf. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I like to make the joke, and I won't hold you um, – for too much longer but like yesterday <laughs> we were moving some stuff around in my apartment and I've got like four roommates and they're all my really close friends but it's all just kind of like it's kind of like never never land up in here you know we're, and we're all pretty adult but like adult children um right. and I had like a loose skateboard like knock over one of my guitars and I was just like I like because I, I always make it you know, I don't even know how to put it but it was it's just like 15-year-old me kind mm-hmm. of decided what my life was going to be, yeah. and I'm totally cool with that because 15-year-old me would just be so stoked about what I'm doing, but also what comes along with that is ridiculous things like a skateboard getting out of control and knocking one of my guitars over because I'm a 15-year-old. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm kind of living a 15-year-old life. I dress like a 15-year-old still, you know, or... Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I'm wearing my heavy metal jacket. I made all the patches. Check it out. It's a Judas Priest screaming for vengeance. And people are like, nice patch. I'm like, I painted it. You know, just total dork. 15-year-old boy. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I look like a 15-year-old boy. And then I'm like, yeah, I have, like, my guitar. And then I've got, like, some wizards up and a a couple, like, heavy metal banners. 
in my uh, like clear nunchuck someone gave me. You know, it's just like I'm living a 15 year old life, but I also like worked my ass off to get it. Totally. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So in that way, like that kind of adult thing is cool. But yeah, well, I mean, that's that. Uh, no, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh yeah, no, I was just, but I was, yeah, it's kind of funny that yeah, you're like 15 year old me would be cool, but uh, like just absolutely mortified that you have to pay bills and that you know getting your teeth clean costs that much and that you actually want socks for Christmas because why should I spend good money that I could be spending on your 40s, right? You know, on socks. You know? Yeah. Yeah. No, what a totally. Yeah. What a, for sure. I it's like a, yeah, oh, man. I just walk around. I'm just like everything costs money and nothing works. Like my cell phone doesn't even work the way it's it's supposed to work. And like half the time my internet doesn't work, but I pay money on it every month. And um, yeah, all the things that are supposed to work and that I was told was going to be a part of like growing up and we're going to be great. I I don't. I'm not a big fan of. I'm a much bigger fan of the things that I valued as a 15 year old and that I'm still pursuing. Yeah. Well, you know, the thing is, is like when when and. To be super honest, and I mean, we've like tried to do this interview a couple of times, and my health has gotten in the way. Like, I'm still kind of in that kind of glom onto the things that you love and get after them in any way that you can, because you know you don't, you're really not guaranteed tomorrow. And I think it's important to know that that's true for a lot of the population in so many ways that you know aren't even the way that I was brought up, you know, like in my history and I just got faced with it in a medical issue and not a socio political issue, you know, but totally. yeah, but the stuff that you like as a 15 year old, that stuff that you are stoked on that also protects your tiny young baby chicken heart. Like if you have a chance to go after them in any way that you can with any of the means that you have available to you, you might as well. Yeah. You know? Cause you're not guaranteed a damn thing. And yeah, yeah, God, you're you're saying you're saying all the things I need to hear right now. Actually, you're that old timer for me. Yeah, <laughs> you're you're, you're I'm sorry not to call you old. That's rude. Um, no, but you're it. saying you're saying well, you we're like the same age practically. But yeah, yeah, I I don't know. It's it's just like yeah, we're, we're, uh, yeah. I don't know. This year's got me second guessing a lot of decisions and things like that. And then when I really break it down to it it's like well you just you just spent your entire adult life doing exactly what you want to do while also working a bunch of dumb bullshit jobs but now you don't have to work those as much so what are you complaining about dude (laughs) every everybody's got to do there's always a flip side right like everyone's got to do stuff like i sacrificed a lot to be in the van you know like a lot of creature comforts a lot of safety points you know, like you're the whole idea about freedom not being free is very true you know but yeah uh, at the same time, there's a lot of things that I get to do. And even when I'm, you know, really tired and I'm way grumpy in the summer because I'm like sweating until I'm pro- like practically mummified in here. I, I'm like, you know, you know, some, you know, it's, it's, it's worth it. If I get to do the things and see the people and experience, you know, life in the way that I had thought I had wanted to as a 15 year old, then I'm glad I, I, I went for it, I guess. Totally. You've done it. You, and, and the, the, the reassurance is like, if anyone's listening, like whatever you're, whatever it is, you can do it. You know what I mean? Like within reason, I guess, but like, and there's nothing wrong with uh, like the non-van lifestyle or whatever. It's just like, 
Oh, I envy it right now. I'm just like, wait, you have a toilet? And I'm sorry, what is it to you? My God, I remember these, I think. And wait, lights that turn on and off? My God, electricity sounds like a miracle. <laughs> <laughs> what what kind of van are you driving? What kind of rig you got? It's it's a it's a 2014 Nissan uh, NV, and it's a right. yeah. It's a, I bought a I bought a new one. I like actually finished paying it off last year. But it's been having some issues, so I've been, like, a little worried. You know, that's, like, a really horrible feeling to think your rig isn't going to make it. And nobody can figure out why. But, but um, yeah, it's been home for a while. And, you know, it's basically, I don't have, like, it's not like one of those cool Ikea vans, you know, that everybody has, like, the hashtag van life. Because there's a yeah. reason I don't put that on the Internet because I ain't living that life. But <laughs> it's a it's a bed and walls, basically. And, uh, you know, just living like a... 17th century monk in here. And, uh, Super rad. It's uh, it'll it'll I mean it it's it'll do. It's, <laughs> it's a way to live. <laughs> it's a way to live, you know. Um, I'm not you know like cooking a Benedict in yoga pants while the back doors are open and the eagle flies by, but you know it's just still pretty rad. <laughs> Do you have any tips as far as like eating or like like you know what do you do for a typical meal? Are you like? So I don't have a a fridge in here, and I have a small cooler, but that doesn't help much. When pre-COVID, I was going to just like to the hot bar a lot at uh, Whole Foods. Mm-hmm. Um, I have so many dietary restrictions I'm supposed to abide by that sometimes happen. Um, so I go to. Hopefully to get like a fresh meal and I can kind of choose what it is. And I was getting really good at like weighing it in my hands. So now I'm like, this is five bucks. This is going to last me all day. Mm-hmm. Um, but now it's kind of, uh, and they're, and they're everywhere. And this is pre, pre Amazon, but uh, I kind of pick certain grocery stores, you know, so you can kind of get produce and cook a meal. Um, as far as now, I've been eating a lot of canned food that mm-hmm. we but then, um, yeah, usually, uh, luckily in the tattoo industry, a lot of people that um, are, are tattooers have pretty decent taste in food, and we are lucky enough to tattoo a lot of people in the service industry. And so if they come to our work and they're like, hey, you should check out my bar or restaurant, that's actually how I got to Bar X, because they come and get tattooed. Oh, really? Uh, mm-hmm. And then you kind of get this hookup to the local, like, scene of creative kids that are just crushing food and drink, you know? Yeah, totally. Yeah. That's definitely something our generation does very well. Yeah, it's a, and it's it's funny, everybody despairs our generation, but there is, there's so many people out there that love what they do and are fighting every day to do it and have such a creative bent on it that it's really, really inspiring, and I've been lucky enough to get to tattoo many of them, and get to see them, you know, you know, on the road. And they take care of you. Yeah, they, they do that. That's that's one thing I will say about the service industry because that's how I've made, you know, some of my living for the past 10 years. Um, Same. I'm trying, yeah. to, trying to get out of it, but um, mainly because I was just never built for it. I should be swinging a hammer, not pouring drinks. I'm just not nice. Like, I'm not good at being nice to customers. <laughs> um and I never have been like it, it was just like an easier way to make a living that didn't break my back. And now I'm just like, I don't know. I, I love the service industry, the best people I've ever met and still some of the best people I know oh, what okay. they do, but I'm just not able to do it anymore. Hopefully. Uh, my life has been saved multiple times by a, a good bartender or, you know, like I, I got to tell you just 
you know, I, I drove 17 hours, scared out of my life, just went through a breakup, got in an argument with my family. All I want is for someone to pour a drink and be nice to me. Or not, you know, or just, you know, just, but, you know, I've, it's this very cheap therapy, but, and just you talk about their day as well. I mean, some of that, some of that has just absolutely saved my soul. <laughs> totally. You know. so you're, you're the, that's the, you're the customer that I always wanted, you know? And like when I did get a customer like that, that was like, oh, I could actually like have a conversation about yeah. life with and everything like that. Not just someone who looks at me as like a robot that's going to be delivering their food or drink. Right. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, that's, that's actually quite a shame. It's a, it's an art when it's done right. It is absolutely. And for me, a healing and life saving art. <laughs> Agreed. Yeah. Well, Alex, I don't want to take too much more of your time. I, 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 this has just been fucking great. And I know we, I just kind of out of the nowhere that I just hit you up on Instagram. And I, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you doing this interview with me and giving your, me your time. Oh, yeah. Well, hey, you know, especially me trapped in this van, I'm like, oh, a human voice. This is great. <laughs> well, I mean, honestly, <laughs> you ever want to talk the road or anything outside of just the podcast, please hit me up. You've got my number. So um, yeah. I know how being on the road can be kind of a lonely endeavor at times. So, like, uh, you got a friend here. So. Oh, thanks, man. So do you. Like, if you ever find yourself on the road and you need some, like, recommendations or, you know, a place to park or place to go eat or high five i'm around yeah i appreciate that i'll i'll be sure to i mean i'm just going to check in with you every once in a while just to be like how the hell your life is are you going. alive are you li- yeah how, are you alive and are, are you still living my dream <laughs> i'm like yeah man i shit in a bucket that's is that your dream yeah cool yeah i'm still living that you're doing it you're doing it <laughs> god that's hilarious. That. <laughs> uh, do you have anything that I could have you plug about, you know, how they find you on the internet, find your art? Um, oh, yeah. Um, my handle on the Instagram is docmatus, D-O-C underscore M-A-T-U-S. Um, and the website is upcoming and the possible blog is upcoming once they get all my drawing done. So. And do you do commissions or anything like that? Oh, yes. Yeah. Thinking this is my way. Are you a metal band? Do you need a kick-ass shirt? Please, call me. How about a Email psychedelic me. folk country singer person? Absolutely. Can definitely do that, you know. I'm into well, that. I'm definitely going to um, probably get you to do some merch or something for me at some point. Yeah, I'd love that, man. That'd be awesome. Once, once I'm able to actually sell merch again on the road. <laughs> It's, it's hard to on the internet but um but yeah thank you so much i really appreciate you being on here and uh, thanks everyone for listening uh, once again my name is charles Bellsworth. you can listen to my music on spotify apple music any of those things just look me up charles ellsworth that's with two l's and uh yeah thanks for listening to the podcast um alex thank you for being on and you stay travels yeah stay travels man talk to you soon We'll be in touch. You take care. All right, you too. Bye.